Could we stand, please? Bring our hearts and minds and spirits into focus. And uh, could we spend a few moments in prayer here, please? Just entering into his presence. Could we do that? In your way, your own way, as you feel led to do so. Asking you to enter into his presence. We we praise you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We glorify you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's go. Let's go a little farther here. Come on. Bring your focus together. Get your spirit involved. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing to see. We're just we're just gonna wait on him here a few minutes. Come on. Enter into his presence. Enter into his presence. Enter into his presence. Hallelujah. 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 Mama Maka Baba Hasata Baba Haya. Halorobo Kora Baba Kosahai. Ye Kalorobo Kora Tabahai. Ye Lava Kabahasahai. Ye Lalorobo Kora Tabahai. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 My Lolo Bokora Talarata Bakasatabaha. Jesus name Jesus name Hallelujah You may be seated Well last night was very different compared to other things I've done in this kind of setting Tonight Maybe even a little bit more different. I'd like to read you a verse. The King James says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias, that's Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. The uh, Amplified says of those verses, Confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available or is dynamic in its working. Elijah was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings affections, and a constitution like ours. 
And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops. Uh, If you will permit me, uh, I'm going to read the Living New Testament verses there. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. I I have concern that there is some perception that... Um, Spiritual warfare is a one-time high event where you bind and you loose and it's over with and all that stuff is done and it's almost like a magic wand. This is a false perception. Let me... uh, I couldn't get away from it today. So I waited on the Lord for this service. I couldn't get away from it. So I'm reading to you Ephesians six eighteen again tonight. Seventeen says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The uh, Amplified Bible reads it this way, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, sword that the Spirit wields, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times, on every occasion, every season, in the Spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all saints, God's consecrated people. And then the New Living Translation. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, just to lay this foundation here, the, uh, when it says we are to, uh, pray always, with all prayer and supplication. 
this word supplication, it's a, it's a strong word. It is a word that means petition, but it comes from this Greek root word. To beg as binding oneself. To beg as binding oneself. The root word of supplication is to beg as binding oneself. Now this isn't the context of a poor person on the side of the street with a sign or with a cup out begging. Okay? The sign says, uh, out of work, I'm hungry. And, and, I honestly try most of the time to to do something. Well, what what if it's a scam? Not my problem; it's their problem. Book says, "Give to everyone that asketh of you." Well, that's naive. No, that's faith. I don't do it one hundred percent of the time, but uh, I do occasionally. I tell you, or not, well, not more than a case, more than occasionally, probably closer to 70, 75% of the time. I've had a couple of times where I've drove, driven by somebody. Uh, in fact, I, I remember a specific situation. I, I was in California visiting my sister and I came off of the, uh, exit ramp and I was going left and there was a guy standing there. Uh, in the median with a sign and I, I, I had to go on by him. The light had turned and I was across the overpass headed the direction I wanted to go. And I did a U-turn and came back, pulled up, beat my horn and, and, uh, gave a little bit more than I normally would have. And, uh, he looked at me straight in the eye and said, God bless you. You say, well, yeah, well, I, you know, that. no, wait, wait just a minute. He didn't know what I was, who I was. He didn't know why I was doing that. I could have been some flaming atheistic liberal, not that all liberals are atheistic, but I could have been that far. No offense, the liberals among us. Uh, but uh, it's far more likely to find a liberal that's an atheist than a conservative that's an atheist. You have to acknowledge that. So anyway... Uh, he didn't know what I was. I could have been just some do-gooder. He didn't know whether I would appreciate being blessed of God or not. The scripture says we need to be careful how we treat strangers because we could be entertaining angels unawares. Uh, sister Naomi Bundy was raised right outside that wall over there, right across that, just outside where the slab was. Her mom lived over there in that back acre. And, uh, her mother was a wonderful woman and she had taken quite a few people in, uh, young people and whatever, raised them as their, her own and 
treated him well. And uh, was David your brother, or he was your brother, uh, her flesh and blood brother? And uh, he he was challenged in some ways. And uh, he came to church. I don't know if he ever got baptized, got the Holy Ghost. I don't even remember. And uh, David passed away. We were, the sanctuary was in this building, but there was no second floor in here. It was downstairs. And uh, I was asked to do the funeral. And uh, uh, there wasn't going to be but a handful of people here. And uh, David had, Again, to our knowledge, he'd never been baptized, received the Holy Ghost, and he really had many challenges, mental, emotional, all kind of challenges. And, and I got to be honest with you, I, I, it was at a really, really busy time in my life, and, and I had all kind of pressure on me, and, and I'm trying to get ready for this funeral, and it's just, man, it just, stuff's going on, and, uh, I was, I lived across the street at the time, and, I was just really, you know, it, it, it was just this thought at one point that went through my head. Well, this was really an inconvenience. Boom. The Lord spoke to me. He said, David was one of my sparrows. And he said, I put sparrows in the earth. So that I can judge your spirit and how you treat my sparrows. And uh, I probably preached that day, even to this day, the greatest funeral message I've ever preached in my life. And there probably wasn't more than a maximum of 10 people there. And I preached God's sparrows. But those folks with the signs, they're asking for help, but they're not offering anything in return. I, mean, I know we'll work for food. I'm not, I'm not judging that or challenging that. I'm just simply saying people are asking for help, and they're not offering anything. So when the Scripture says, or that the Greek says, that word that the Holy Ghost chose has a root idea that is to beg as binding oneself. It's not talking about someone who is asking for a handout. It is talking about an intensity of focus and approach that says, I'm not just asking. This means something to me. And I am asking this with everything in me. And it means so much to me that whatever you ask me in return, if you answer this prayer, I will do it. Now, at first glance... First consideration through your mind. The first thought is, well, that means you're bargaining with God. I don't believe in bargaining with God. I also don't believe that a child of God has to beg God. So I'm not talking about, oh, please, God. 
And I'm, I'm also not saying, okay, let's make this deal, God. You do this, I'll do this. But there is a, there is a, a degree, a, uh, a depth of earnestness, of focused desire that says this, the answer to this prayer means so much to me. That if you require anything in return of me, I'm committing to it in advance without knowing if you will require anything or what it might be. Why? Because it simply means what I'm praying about matters to me. Lord, I... I would like for it to snow tomorrow. No, I don't really want them yet. Okay. Lord, let's do this one. Lord, I'd like for it to be 70 degrees tomorrow and sunshiny. I'd like for it to be that. Right? But if you get up in the morning and it's 40 degrees and your attitude is, oh well. Oh well. My God, there's something in this place right now. Mm. Oh, well, I prayed. Didn't work. It's okay. I didn't really care if I got it anyway. I just thought it was worth a shot. No big deal. If you'd have given it to me, I'd have been happy, but it's okay that you didn't. Now, I'm not talking about the prayer for a Rolls Royce or for a 10,000 square foot house on the water. I'm not talking about some kind of prayer of something you're lusting after for your own gratification. But I'm talking about a prayer for something that matters to you. That there is an urgent Focus in your being over the outcome of that prayer. When it says we're to pray with all perseverance and supplication, the word in both times the word is included in this verse, Ephesians 6.18. It's the same Greek word. It's petition. But to understand what he's saying in petition, you look at the root word of that Greek word, and it means to beg as binding oneself. That's supplication, you see. What it is I'm asking affects me, concerns me. It is, it matters to me. It matters to me. It's not for my selfish fleshly benefit. This is something that's of urgent and very likely eternal consequences. There were, there was a handful of us talking for a while after the afternoon service and the question was asked, well, how do you know? 
And I said, well, you know, it's a little difficult sometimes just in your normal daily life to judge really how things are going spiritually and whether or not you're being warred against or not. I said, but I, I, I usually learned to, to, uh, let a church service help me to discern where we are right now. I said, if you walk into a service and almost for the first word of prayer, first note, there's a flow, there's an anointing, there's a hunger, there's a focus in the spirit of God's moving and, 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 and there's, and when the prayers People are praying. There's an earnestness. Their minds are here. Their spirits are here. They're not wandering, not going through the motions. And then when the preaching's there, it's an obvious word from God. Or there's a connection with people. And, and God confirms all of that because something happens in that service. I said, you, you probably are in pretty good shape right then. And you just need to guard that. It's okay. But if you walk into a service and, and it's just a struggle, it's, it's just an, the worship's not clicking. The majority of people just kind of sit and stare for the space. They're singing, but they're in the heart and spirit's not in it. And 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 you, and you struggle with that. And even with a little bit of encouragement, it just doesn't break. It just doesn't flow. And and if you call for some prayer, it's just you know it's just going through the motions. And then the preaching's preacher, the preacher's preaching. And no matter how sure he is, he's got a word from God. He's looking out and staring in the faces that have blank expressions I said when that's going on and and nothing happens you there's no visible response or work of God in that service you are under attack and if you ignore it it's only going to get worse And from the person in the pulpit to the concerned people in the seats, there needs to be somebody saying, this is not acceptable. Our salvations are dependent upon a free flow of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to minister to us. And we will not accept this. And it is unconscionable that any man of God or any true child of God could put up with that and not take personal responsibility to battle in the spirit until that breaks. And if you're sitting in a service and you're an intercessor and your mind's 10 million miles away, do not seek for gifts you're not willing to be responsible for. Because the more powerful you are in the spirit, the more negatively you affect the service when you're in that service in your body, but you're checked out in the spirit. Don't seek for stuff from God you're not willing to be responsible for. You want to be carnal? You're not going to do a whole lot of damage. Just come in and be your old carnal self. You want to be spiritual? You don't have the right to bring what God gave you in the spirit and sit in here checked out and become a part of the problem. So therefore, you come in the service. And it's not flowing. And if you got any spirituality in your little toe, you know when it's not flowing. And you can sit back, fold your arms, look down your old skinny nose and say, wonder what the preacher's going to do about this. 
You ever prayed intercessory prayer in your life? The moment you, the moment God lets you discern that that service is bound up, you don't have to make it not a noise. You don't have to scream and holler, but your face needs to be down in your lap or you need to quietly turn around, get down by your seat and begin to pray until that thing breaks. If you just sit there with your arms folded and take no responsibility for the gifts and the ministry God gave you, you know what you're saying? I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Well, it's the preacher's job. I don't mean to be offensive to anybody that's sitting here or that's watching or whatever. Watch this. But if you want to be Catholic, I'll give you the address. That's where people sit and watch the ministry perform. This is not a Catholic church. You don't have a right to bring your Holy Ghost in here and sit back with your the, the, the arms of your spirit folded and say, let's see how he's going to get out of this one. Does it matter to you? And you, hear, you hear me right now. <laughs> My God. I can't tell you the number of times in my 66 years when I've been going through it on my own and just couldn't seem to get it, get through it when I was by myself. But when I came together with the people of God and when I hadn't prayed it down in that particular service, but I came in to a liberty that I wasn't personally responsible for that time or hadn't contributed to that time because of what I was going through. But there was a liberty in there. There was a flow going on. There was a ministry happening. All of a sudden, all that stuff I'd been going through began to work in me and God began to work and liberate me and I left saved. My God, my God, my God, my God. Mm. When we just go through our little verbiage prayers, the Lord talked about don't let your praying be vain repetition. You know, uh, what, what, you know. Well, oh Lord, just want to remind you, I got this need. Oh, next day, oh Lord, just want to remind you, I got this need. Uh, next day, I, Lord, I just want to remind you, I got this need. What, what is he supposed to think? My wife is a great cook. Invisible evidence of that. But she works long, hard hours. And there's just a lot of days. I can live off anything as long as it means she doesn't have to cook. And you ask her, she loves to cook. And I love to eat her cooking. Alice's Restaurant is the only six-star restaurant in existence. I love that. So she'll say, what do you want? It doesn't really matter. You, you don't have a taste for anything? No, I just, like what I did this evening, I'll just take some soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. It's fine. You don't really... Doesn't really matter to you? 
No, I really, believe it or not, I don't eat that much stuff, really. Now, I can eat a whole package of cookies, but that's not a lot of quantity, you know. And the Lord's helping me. I haven't been doing that lately. So thank God for that. But the point is, I don't ever get a craving for any food. That's the truth. Believe it or not, including a Whopper. I really don't. I don't. Because to me, it's just a means to an end. I got to get it past my throat, into my belly, so that I got some strength and energy. And honestly, that's the truth. And I have to, she's not in here right now. I have to really do my best to make sure I really linger over her good cooking so that she knows I've appreciated it. And I enjoy, it's not that I, I enjoy her cooking. I enjoy the, the food. But she, I never have a craving for something. A couple of months ago, I was trying a few days of uh, low carb. From the devil's hell, that's what that is. There is no way in this world that came from heaven. That is nothing more than the fear and terror of the medical profession trying to bring you under some kind of domination through fear. You think I'm joking, I'm not. When you tell me carbs in a peach or a pear or an apple or a banana is bad for me when God created that, you are a liar. You're a liar and you're from the father of them. I'm not going to fuss over a candy bar, but when you tell me I don't, shouldn't eat carbs and every single fruit God created is full of carbs. So I, this one particular, I, you know, I, I, I was going to go a couple of days on low carb diet. So I had, for what some stupid reason, I had chicken like three or four days in a row. Oh, I didn't never want to see another chicken. I didn't want to hear another chicken. I didn't want to taste another chicken. I just soon never eat meat again in my life if the only meat was chicken. I don't know what it was, but it was bad. I can eat chicken if the taste of its mask was something else. Either some bread and good grease when it's fried. Or if it's really grilled in a a salad with some good dressing, masking the taste of it. But just plain old chicken? You gotta be kidding me. Ah, it's revolting stuff. Oh, but it's healthy. It's low carbs. Let me starve to death. That's why if I'm going to use a tool for discipline, it's going to be Weight Watchers. Because you eat all the fruit you want and there's no points. And I love fruit. Because God made it. God made it. And every one of you that believes carbs in fruit is bad for you, you're a heretic. At least that part of it. You didn't get that out of the Bible. You got that out of some fear-mongering book. 
or some atheistic doctor who doesn't even believe the word of God. Hallelujah. I feel better whether you do or not. (laughs) To pray, to petition, as to beg as binding oneself. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. You, how, how do I demonstrate I believe that I receive them? There's an earnestness, a focus that comes to a prayer that matters to me. My wife and I have always prayed for our our boys, when they were kids, even still, of course. And you know, when everything's going along just fine, you, oh Lord, bless our sons. You know, and then they got married and bless our daughters and then they had kids and bless our grandkids, you know. You just pray that, oh Lord, bless them. Yeah. But you let one of them be struggling. And that prayer changes. You don't give that little flip just, oh God bless. There, 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 you know, you shift that thing, you get it out of overdrive down into second gear. And if that's not enough, you, you gear it down in first gear. And, and you, and you do some pulling and it might get slow and it might get growly, but you're, you, you're, you're going to make a difference. You're not just going, Oh God, save my, are you kidding me? I'm getting somewhere. What, really what I, you know what, you know what's happening here tonight? I'm going to tell you so you don't have to guess. The sword of the Spirit is coming down through your spirit. And the Holy Ghost is demanding that you decide in your own heart and mind what matters to you and doesn't matter to you. Because in a few minutes, we're going to pray about some stuff that matters to us. And God's going to work. Well, that doesn't sound like warfare to me. You're kidding, right? It matters to you. You've let that thing become important. Call it a burden from God. Call it a desire God put in you. Call it something that you realize. The importance of this happening and the, the the negativity of it not happening. And not about your comfort or your ease, not about taking away your pain, your problems, your pressure, but 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 in most cases, somebody's eternity is on the line. We got to pray different. We got to pray different. We got to get out of this putting in our time praying. You know how we got, I know that because we're not getting any results. 
If you're praying, you're not getting any results. There ought to be something that you're saying, oh, wait a minute now. God is real. God is true. His word is true. And, and, and he's invited us to pray. And we know there's power in prayer. And if we're praying and nothing's happening, what's the problem? What's the problem? I said it today. I'll say it again. Only eternity will reveal what all God did in this service last night. Only eternity. I I, I really thought I was going another direction, but this kept coming to me all day again. And this evening, as I as I just wait on the Lord and just kind of let direction sift through my spirit. It just, there wasn't anything else coming. And I'm going, you really want me to do this again? He says, I'm not finished yet. Now, last night, the primary focus was supplication, especially for those of you that needed to be pushed to push back because you've been getting your own brains beat in. Tonight is going to be supplication. It may be for you, but more than likely, it's going to be for something, somebody else that's close to you or a situation that's going on in your life or somebody else's life that really has the potential of causing that person to be lost forever unless somebody breaks through it. I've said this before. It's a, it's not the will of God for anybody to perish. And and even the most casual study of hell, it, it's 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 so difficult to conceive of loved ones confined there forever. And I've got some that probably are and you've got some that are probably already are and and it's and it's a miraculous testimony to the grace and the love of God and his ability to bring comfort that you don't lose your mind if you've got a loved one that's probably we're not anybody's judge but probably already there but when you when you understand the horror, excuse me, the horrors of hell. When you understand that hell wasn't created for man, that hell was created for the devil and his angels, and that every person that goes there is an uninvited guest. And the only people that go there are those that knowingly or unknowingly listen to his voice and believe his voice more than they believe God's voice. They believe his word over God's word, even if they didn't know whose word it was. There is a an intensity, a focus, an 
earnestness that comes to prayer. When you allow yourself to accept that right there. The first time I ever preached the message, I was an evangelist some 43 years ago. I was doing some study on the subject of hell and was shocked, horrified at what I found. I found that there are seven separate horrors of hell and that an eternally burning lake of fire that torments but does not consume what it's burning is the least horrible of the seven. The absolute least. And there's not anybody in this room willing to come and, and let me hold a match under your palm for one minute without you moving your hand. Nobody. And that's the least. When, when last, when, when, excuse me, when the rich man had rejected ministry to Lazarus, and Lazarus was comforted. Rich man was rejected because he loved his money and he didn't, he, he didn't put a priority on other people that God would have expected him to. And, and, and when, when one drop of water dripped from the tip of a finger onto a tongue would have been an, would have been comfort to such a degree that it would have been earnestly sought for because it would have been that much comfort. I pray, Father Abraham, the rich man said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my parching tongue for I am tormented in this flame. And that's the least Horrible of the seven. I love to fly. But I don't like heights. Big difference. I've been to Pulpit Rock twice. On Lease Fjord. Light Fjord in Norway. It's a... Uh, Angled rock with a point that's connected at the base with a mountain. And off the edges of that point, it's 2,000 feet straight down to the water. And I've hiked twice. Almost a two-hour hike one way just to get up there two hours back. I've done that twice in my life. Last time I did it, well, I was 60, believe it or not. And after going all that way up there, I would not get out and peer over the edge. They were idiots. <laughs> Bible says, call no man a fool. So I didn't do that. They, they were idiots. They were sitting with their legs dangling off that ledge. All around that ledge, 2,000 feet straight down. The Bible says that when a person is cast into the lake of fire, they will be perpetually falling 
for eternity. Tumbling in air, falling continuously forever through these flames that's the lake of fire in what's called the bottomless pit. Just falling. Falling. And while they're falling, the scripture teaches that they will have an, a supernatural restoration of ministry, uh, of memory. And while they're falling and screaming in the agonies of fire, they will hear every word of every message that's ever been preached to them. And they will remember their thoughts and the excuses they use to walk out the door. And reject it. And that will play in their mind forever and ever and ever and ever. And somebody says to me, well, this little bit can't matter, can it? And this little bit, this is not that. Are, are you kidding me, right? You Are you just trying to squeak into heaven by the skin of your teeth? So I got a question. See, you, do you really have loved ones that, Lord, save my mother, save my dad, save my kids, save my brother, save my sister, save my grandparents. Now let me get on to my life because I'm too busy. Is that really, is that really what you feel? Is there no earnestness of petition? Is there no focused intention in the prayer? Is there no persistent faith that prevails until there's an answer? God, you can't pray enough for God to violate somebody's will. But you, you hear me something. Hear me right now. God won't violate a person's will. But you can pray enough that God will take every bit of pleasure out of their sin. He'll take every bit of sleep out of their night. He can't make them live right. But if you pray enough, he'll take all the comfort out of their lives. They can take drugs and won't get high. They can drink alcohol and won't get drunk. They can pr participate in promiscuity and there won't be any pleasure in it. If you pray hard enough, that won't make them saved. That You can't violate their will. But God doesn't have to let them be blessed or enjoy anything in this life. If you want them to be saved bad enough, they can still determine that they're going to be lost no matter what. But at least they'll have some taste of where they're choosing to go. Do we have the power to do that? You're kidding me, right? We have the power to pray that? Right, you're asking that question. The problem is, we're all so busy. We're we're busy with the pleasures of this life, the riches of this life, 
and the cares of this life because we're the thorny ground that the seed has been grown in. And the seed grows up. It looks like we got faith. But all this stuff we fellowship with chokes the seed out so that it never comes to fruition. There's never any fruit. It grows. It finds ground to grow in, and it grows up. And it looks like it's doing good, but there's never any fruit. Because the fruit is choked out. And what chokes it out? The love of pleasures of this life. The love of riches of this life. And the, the pride of life that, that makes me determine that I'm going to hang on to my cares. Hang on to my worries and my fears. And I'm not going to trust God with it. I'm going to hang on to it. And those three things may not sound like they're connected. But apparently they are because Jesus connected them. And they choke the life right out of you. And they eliminate fruitfulness in your life. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto. The word watching is not observing. But it's what a watchman does. It's a, it's a careful attention to. It's, a, it's giving, giving full attention to. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let me, uh, let me give you a, a biblical, uh, an Old Testament, uh, parallel to this. Uh, it's in, uh, oh, come on. Isaiah. Chapter 62, verse 1. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. Until the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof is a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness. And all kings thy glory. And thou shalt be called by a new name. Which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory. In the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate. But thou shalt be called Hephzibah. And thy land Beulah, for the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence and give him no rest till he establish, till he make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. It sounds at first, first reading that, that we're, we're pestering God and making something happen. All of this is God's idea. We're not praying like that to persuade God. 
to talk God into something. It's just another way of saying to go to war over it and fight till it happens. Because God's will is for it to happen. He wants to do it. But but this is not his world anymore. He gave it to man and man gave it away. Why are we so willing to work really hard at trying to bring something about in our lives? And we do all this natural stuff. And, and, and we try to, we, we, you know, we, we make these plans and we come up with this approach and we get all this stuff and we try to make all this work and we're really motivated as long as it looks possible and, and, and the money's going to come through and the situation's going to happen and, and it looks all that and then all of a sudden a blockage comes and, and we try to beat against that and it looks impossible to get through and, 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 and we give up because we've done everything we know to do and God's not not blessing it. Somebody bring me a band-aid. My heart's bleeding for you poor person. You've done all you know to do and so it's not working and you're stuck now and it's not working. And why is God being so unfair to me? Well, I guess because you don't have a Bible and you don't know how to read it. I know that's sarcastic. I am trying to make a point here, okay? I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of your attitude. Poor, poor victim. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But no, we're not going to do that because it may cost me something. Again, I may have to pray the prayer of petition... And as the Greek word is, to beg is binding myself. And I'd really like this as long as it didn't cost me anything but just a little bit of human effort so I can feel good about what I've accomplished. But if it really means I've got to pray earnestly until there's a price that I have paid and will pay because this matters to me, I'm not going there. No, if God wants to give it to me my way where it doesn't cost me a whole lot, I'll take it that way. But if he doesn't do that, then I'm going to feel sorry for him and feel like God failed me because he wouldn't give it to me in my way on my terms. It's not going to happen for you, your way, on your terms. Huh. <laughs> I get a question. Is there anything, anybody in need in your life. Anything in your life that is of such spiritual significance that it matters to you enough that you're willing to make up your mind. You are going to pray earnestly, persistently, fervently until it happens. You're going to war you're going to fight a good fight. You're going to war until that thing happens because it's the will of God. When God gives you a promise, God gives you a promise. It's over. I got the promise. It's going to happen. <laughs> wonderful. Isn't this wonderful? I got a promise. I get, you know what a promise is? 
God tell you in advance what he's going to do. Is he telling you that because it's cool and neat? Is there a, pro- a possibility? The reason God gives you a promise is because what he wants to do is so impossible or so difficult that the only way it will happen is for him to tell you in advance what his will is and what he wants to do so you will believe it in spite of what it looks like and pray it through every obstacle and every difficulty until it happens. Rather than feeling sorry for yourself because your plans didn't come through. If you've prayed and you're sure what you're trying to do is God and you're up against the wall, instead of throwing your hands up and feeling sorry for yourself and shaking your fists at God's face, if it really matters to you, why don't you find some place where you can stick your nose in the carpet and say, I'm not getting up from here till this happens because it's the will of God and it matters to me. I talked to you last night about Azusa Street. Two years, all night long, Frank Bartleman and other, other men prayed. Six, seven nights every week for two years, all night long. I remember reading the book, What Really Happened at Azusa Street by Frank Bartleman. And I read about all of that. And I remember saying to myself, my Lord, they didn't even have a life. Duh. What they wanted and believed God for was more important than their life. And they made that decision. Oh, if the Lord wants to come tiptoeing through our lives and just casting all these wonderful blessings out there for us to just scramble around and pick up. How wonderful is that? Oh, somebody pray some, play some nice tinkling music so that the Lord can dance around and throw His blessings. We, some of us act like that's what we think it's all about. And we scramble around on the ground and collect up our share of the blessings like a bunch of kids in a candy rain. Oh, it's wonderful. Does it cost us anything? Maybe a skint knee while we greedily grab around to scoop every one of those things up. (laughs) I had I bought a a mat, a practice mat from this company online that I could hit some practice balls of golf balls off of. And I got I don't even know why. I got a I got a this guy that owns a company, he still has my email address and I've never put him on spam. It, he'll send out little tidbits once in a while. The other night, he sent out a video link. I've never watched this show, don't know anything about it, but this talk show or whatever he is guy named Jimmy Kimmel. He, he, he had made this, he said to, to, to parents, tell your kids you ate all of their Halloween candy and video it and send them to us. 
I wish I would have thought to play that because it reminds me of so many Christians. Parents lying to their kids so they can laugh. And we can laugh. I ate your Halloween candy. Totally calm to... Over and over and over again. And in this one situation, this the, the, the parent that was videoing said, I didn't really do that. Jimmy Kimmel told me to tell you that. I hate Jimmy Kimmel, the kid said. This little kid, I hate Jimmy Kimmel. But that's really us, you see. That's where Christianity and prayer has gotten to. The Holy Ghost is trying to talk to us. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job of communicating what he's trying to say. But hear me right now. The Holy Ghost is trying to talk to us. This casual, blase, loosey-goosey, take-it-or-leave-it kind of prayer. Throwing our quarters in some spiritual prayer wishing well. Hoping and wishing we get our wish. And, and, and if it doesn't happen, it's no big deal. It only costs us a quarter. It's what prayers become. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. My God, I wish I had the ability to describe what I see in this building right now. It, it's like, it's like in the atmosphere. Just kind of in the spirit world, hovering up here. There's all this stuff God would do for you, to you, and through you. But, but we just haven't cared enough to get it. We haven't cared enough to want it. We, 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 we've just prayed our little lip service prayers, but we've never had enough. It's never mattered enough to us. It's never mattered enough to us. And the things he has for us are so significant. He can't trust them to people that's not willing to put themselves on the line to get it. You've got to, you've got to want it enough to put your own self on the line to see it come to pass. Otherwise, the answer to the prayer would be a curse to you, not a blessing. It would be a curse. God's not playing games with his children. He's not playing keep away with you. He cannot give you some things till you put yourself on the line because otherwise it would be a curse to you. So he withholds it. Until it matters enough to you that you're willing and able to put yourself on the line so that when he gives you the answer, you don't substitute the answer for God in your life. He will not be replaced by anything, including his own blessings to you. He will not be replaced by anything, including his own blessings to you.
It's here. I'm not making this up. You hear me? This atmosphere in this place is so crammed full of the blessings of God and answers prayers and, and souls that he's willing to save and miracles he's willing to work for you spiritually and financially and in your home and in your family. But these things are so amazing that if God gave them to you without them mattering enough to you to put your life on the line for them, they would destroy you. My God. My God. God's not playing games with you. God's not tormenting you. God's not torturing you. God's not holding out on you. He just doesn't want his blessings to become a curse in your life. My God. If you're willing to accept the status quo, there's a lot of prayers God's never going to answer. If you're willing to accept the status quo in your life, in your priorities, in your commitment, in your walk with God, you're never going to get those answers. They would destroy you otherwise. Jesus name Jesus name I'm not telling you what to do tonight you're going to have to make that decision yourself I'm not telling you when to do it tonight that's between you and God does it matter to you does it matter to you How much does it matter to you? Does getting the answer to your prayer matter to you? My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Yeah, it's easier to be mad at God because he's not giving you what you want on your terms. Yeah, it's easy to give up and say God doesn't love me, doesn't care because he's not giving me what I'm asking for on my terms. Yeah, that's the easy way out. You don't have to die like that. You don't have to commit like that. You don't have to give yourself to him like that and then you can blame him for it all. 
But if it matters to you, it's all available. It's all his for the giving, and he wants to give it because you're his child, and it's for the sake of his kingdom. But he can't give it to people that it doesn't matter to them. It's the burden on your heart that you don't want to see them go to hell. And you keep feeling that God's trying to get you to pray in their stead so that they can be saved. What's the obstacle? Is finances paralyzing you so that you can't participate in God's kingdom? And you're willing to be faithful if God would break the finances for you in your life? Are you giving everything you've got to the kingdom, but there's no fruitfulness? And you can't, like like Hannah said concerning her barren womb, give me children lest I die. Are you willing to live a fruitless life? Are you willing to live with no answers to your prayers? Are you willing to live... Without touching any souls for eternity. Are you willing to accept that? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to you? Do you only pray when others pray? Do you only pray like others are praying? Do you wait for somebody else to want it so you can follow them? Are you willing to say... Whatever somebody else does or doesn't do, it has nothing to do with me. I want it. I want it so much. It matters to me. Whatever it costs me, I'm going to have it because it will glorify God. Prevailing prayer is just spiritual warfare by another name. Persistent prayers of supplication is just spiritual warfare by a different name.
Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have you been faithful with your tithes, but you're not making it financially? God's not a liar. God's not a liar. Well, I I thought it was supposed to be automatic. Not when the adversary is trying to defeat you so you can't participate in the kingdom. Pray the blessings of God through to the point that you can receive them. No man goes to war in his own charges. No man goes to war in his own charges. If you're truly involved with warfare and you can't pay your bills, God's not a liar. War. Pray that thing through till it breaks. That's the will of God. It's the will of God. God is faithful. He's not a liar. Come on. The blessings are right there. The answers are right there. It's just a matter of praying till you can receive them without them becoming a curse to you. They're God's idea, not yours. They're God's will, not yours. You don't have to talk him into it. You're not trying to convince him to do it. You're praying till it, till the answer comes. You're praying till it happens. Come on. Has God told you that something is His will, but everything you're trying is not working? And, and, and it seems impossible that it's going to happen, but God says it's His will? Does it matter enough to you to pray until it happens? The old timers called it praying through. Praying through. Pray until you get a breakthrough. Come on. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. 
Jesus' name. Are you tired of just going through the motions and nothing happening, nothing changing, no prayers getting answered? Are you tired of it? You're tired of living that way? Are you tired of that kind of relationship with God? In the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Are you really willing to stand by and watch your your kids struggle and go to hell? Are you really willing to stand by and let your wife or your husband struggle and go to hell? Are you really willing to stand by and let your parents struggle and go to hell? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to you? Does it matter to you? Prevail in prayer. Travail in prayer. Supplicate in prayer. Intercede in prayer. War in prayer. The Lord's waiting on us. We're not waiting on Him. That word perseverance means to pray and to keep on praying and pray until it happens. To pray with fervency and keep on praying. Keep on praying until it happens. Not giving lip service to it, but praying. Praying. Jesus called it importunity. It was so important enough that you prayed with such persistence that you wouldn't take no for an answer. Again, you're not trying to convince God. It's already his idea.
When you don't know what else to say, let the Spirit pray. When you don't know what else to pray, let the Spirit pray. Let the Spirit pray. He helps our infirmity. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. And Jesus said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give give him as many as he needs. And I say unto you, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. And knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father will he give him a stone or if he shall ask a fish will he for a fish give him a serpent or if he shall ask an egg will he offer him a scorpion if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them asking There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. 
And there was a widow in that city and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming. She weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? If he defines faith... As those who pray the prayers of persistent importunity. Is there any faith in our lives? Is there any faith in the house? Is there any faith in the church? Leave the stage lights on. Turn the house lights off. Leave the side lights along the wall on and the stage lights. Turn everything else off. I'm done. It's between you and Jesus now. <laughs> 